we often think of things as being a choice between two. That's the, that's the usual way things work. And as we've looked at Galatians, it started off with Paul saying, look, some of you are trying to get right with God by sticking to the law, by following all the law. That's not the way to go. It will never work. You will never do it. We are human, we are sinful people, and no matter how hard we try, we'll never be perfect. We'll never fulfil all the law. And if you try, you're just, you're just making yourself a slave to the law. And where we're picking up the reading this week, chapter 5 and verse 13, uh, no, sorry, verse 16. He looks at the second choice that people make. If they say it's too hard to stick to the law, if it's too hard to keep all the rules, well, let's just forget about them. Let's just do what we really want to do and ignore it. And Paul's saying... That's not really a choice. That doesn't give you freedom. Let's have a look. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the, what, just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not obligation, under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful natures, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll stop there. So that's, that's the second choice. If we say, look, I'm not worried about what God says, I'm not worried about the rules, I'll just... You know, I'll just be free. I'll just live the way I want to do. That doesn't bring us freedom. What we find is that our sinful nature keeps pulling us down. And, yeah, you know, it's not an exhaustive list. It sounds exhaustive, but at the end he says, and that sort of thing. Because... It's always the negatives that end up on top. We might think that, well, yeah, we could just have a nice life without trying to change ourselves. But no, the selfishness, the greed, that pulls us apart. 
It makes us smaller creatures. And while we might think, oh yeah, now we're free, actually it's a different type of slavery. Not slavery to trying to keep the law, but slavery to the worst impulses in our lives. And so when you have choice one and choice two, actually it's not much of a choice because either way you end up being slaves. Either way your life is controlled by something else. But Paul points out, you know, it's not a choice between these two. There's a third way. The third way is the way of the fruit of the Spirit. So let's just have a look at this, verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There's no, no law against these things. Now, I have today brought to you a fruit. And I know usually when they talk about the fruit of the Spirit, they'll use a bunch of grapes. And I thought of bringing a bunch of grapes as well. However, this is about 40 cents worth and a bunch of grapes is $15. <laughs> and nothing wrong with using grapes as an illustration. Jesus did that. But, you know, uh, I remember the first time, I, I've seen it many times since, they'll often use a bunch of grapes and then on one grape they'll have gentleness, another grape they'll have self-control, another... Sometimes we get the impression that these are different things that... Well, because we have fruit means fruit singular and fruit plural. But in the Greek, this fruit here is singular. It's, a, it's all the one thing. You don't choose which ones you have. It's not as if God gives you one but not the other. It's all one. To use the, uh, to use the pear in his example... It has a shape. It has, has a smell. It's only just starting to smell, an aroma. It has a texture on the outside where the skin is and it has another uh, meltingness texture on the inside. And it's got the sweetness, the flavour. But it's only the one fruit. It's got all these characteristics, but it's just the one thing. Sometimes, too, we get confused between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, and we think it's all the one. But there's two really big differences. Firstly, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, sorry, the gifts of the Spirit, they were given at the beginning of the church to, for two reasons, to validate the message of the apostles and to build up the church. But no one had all of them. You might have one, you might have another. Nobody had all of them. They were used collectively. 
The fruit of the Spirit is different because we are meant to have all of these things. Every Christian. Every Christian should have all of the fruit. And the other thing is that the gifts of the Spirit was not a measure of spiritual maturity. If you look at Corinthians, Paul says, you people, your congregation, you have more gifts than any other church. And yet the Corinthian church was the worst church in the New Testament. They were the least mature spiritually. They had divisions. They'd get, they'd get into parties, um, like political parties in the church. Uh, they'd take, they were involved in court cases against each other. They were involved in sexual immorality. Uh, they would have, uh, like morning tea, they'd have pot, like lunches or something like that and the rich people would get, bring the good food for themselves and they wouldn't share it with the others. Paul was just about pulling his hair out. He said, look, you should be spiritually grown up by now, but you're just babies. So the gifts weren't something that they'd earned. They weren't a measure of how mature they were. But the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is a measure that you're mature in Christ, that God has been working in your life and has brought this fruit, brought these characteristics to fulfilment in your life. Remember, um, okay, all right, I have this one here. This is with Jesus, and he's talking about grapes at this point. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. What part of the... This pair is the most important. Any ideas? Is one part more important than the others? This part. The stalk. Because without the stalk, the rest of it doesn't exist. Without the connection, the fruit doesn't exist. In our lives, if we're not connected to Christ, if his spirit is not living in us, the fruit won't come. Because that's where all these characteristics come from, from God, not from us. You know, going back to the two hands, the problem with us is pride. And we either think we don't need to be saved or we think we can do it ourselves, we can earn our own salvation. I don't have a third hand, but fortunately God does a third hand. And that third hand, that third way, is what he has done. 
what he has done, not only so that we can be forgiven in the first place, but so that we can live our lives the way we should after that. And that is being connected to him, having his spirit maturing us, bringing us to fruition. Uh, there's another verse that Simon brought last week. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You see, that's an internal thing. God is changing our hearts. There's a... Uh, Lucy, we've got a, a next, another verse there? Yes. Hebrews 10. And this is from the Old Testament has been repeated twice. This is the third time this verse has appeared in the Bible. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Something that God does. He changes our hearts. He changes the way we live. He brings about this fruit so that we can live. Verse 25 at the end of this chapter. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Since salvation is the you know, work of God to bring us to put us right with him. But every day after that, it's the same thing. It's God working in our lives. How do we keep our stalks healthy? How do we keep that connection pure? Well, a number of things. One of them is and we'll um, have a look at that verse we looked at before, at the end of that long list of what our natural life is. Paul says, Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that if we sin, okay, you're not in. God, no, that's, that's the legalism, that's the first choice. You've got to keep all the rules. If we continue, and that's what the uh, meaning is in the Greek, if we continue to live a life pushed along by our natural inclinations, That is a sure sign that we don't have a connection with God. We don't have a connection with Christ. We don't have his spirit in us. You see, as Christians, we're still going to sin. We're still going to do the wrong thing sometimes. But if we do, what we have to do is come to God and confess it. And it says, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit, the first thing that we generally come across is that he convicts the world of sin. He shows us when we've stepped out of line, when our nature is clashing with the nature of God. So when the Spirit puts, us, puts his finger on something in our hearts that needs fixing, don't reject that. Don't ignore it. But use that as an opportunity to go back in prayer and confess your sins. Because otherwise, you're strangling the stalk there. You're cutting off God's work in your life. And what we also need to do is we need to spend more time, more time listening to what God has to say. If you don't do this at the moment, and I'm not good at this, I, you know, sometimes I have been, sometimes I haven't. But try and put aside some time to be with God, to listen to what he has to say to you. And that usually from the Bible, but also uh, other Christian writings. We live in a busy world. And we've got a lot of things coming at us through the media, through um, the internet. If you're really old, maybe from the TV. Radio has suddenly jumped over because people, people still stick to the radio when they're driving and so forth. But TV seems to be dying off. Anyway, we take so much in... How much do we take in from God? How much time do we spend sitting down somewhere quietly, alone, and depends on your family situation, how busy you are, it might be very hard, but it's worth the effort to find somewhere where you can sit up straight because if you lay down, if you're like me, you'll go to sleep. And just spend time with God. Feed on him. Speak to him. He speaks to us. Speak to him. Share what your concerns are. What's on your heart. Build the relationship. If you've got a spouse, if you've got family and you never contact them, the relationship withers. If you never spend time with Jesus, the relationship will wither. The fruit won't grow. So take some time. Stop. There's a verse in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, be still and know that I am Lord. The be still bit is the very difficult bit. 
We have to be still. We have to stop. We have to put aside our agenda before we can take on his agenda. Lucy, can we have the, um, the two side by side? Ooh, not there. Anyway, it may turn up. Oh, there it is. Okay. Sorry, I haven't got it in front of me. <laughs> okay. We have a choice and of two here. We have all the negative things on this side. And we have all the positives on this side. What sort of life do you want to leave? live? Full of the negatives or full of the positives? The natural life or the supernatural life? If you want the supernatural life, if you want the fruit of the spirit, look after your connection with Jesus through his spirit. And I'm just going to read the verses that lead up to our passage today here because it pretty well summarises. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbour as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch it. Beware of destroying one another. We have freedom. We have freedom given to us by God. Freedom to love and to serve. And if we do that, we don't have to worry about keeping rules. Because if we're loving people, if we know God and we love God and we love the people around us, we won't be robbing them. We won't be murdering them. We, won't, we don't even have to think about it because the impetus, the power, the driving force in our life will be God's spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of holiness. We're going to have a prayer now and um, we don't have anyone for the prayers of the people so I'll do that as well. And uh, just a reminder too that if after the service you'd like someone to pray with you, certainly um, you can ask whoever you like but usually we have Kerry and Sue over there available um, if you'd like someone to pray with you after the service. Anyway, let's pray. Oops, sorry. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for all good things. We thank you that you've provided a way for us to be put right with you. And we thank you that in our daily lives, you've provided a way for us to live lives of love and peace and gentleness. 
lives that we could not manage by ourselves. We thank you for giving us your spirit to live in our life, to remind us when we've gone astray, to bring us back to you, to guide us, to give us hearts that are desirous of your ways. Change us so that we become more like you and reflect your character. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.